So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, uh, well, I'm Nate Larkin here, of course, with David Hampton. Yeah. Uh, you can't see David, but I can. And I got to tell you, David, you are looking good. And uh, you're, <laughs> you're sounding good. Seems like you got a little extra juice. Whatever happened, whatever they did there in that uh, operating room seems to have... Uh, work. You feeling better? Yeah. Thank you, man. Uh, it's nothing six hours of heart surgery can't fix, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I do feel good. Thank you for uh, mentioning uh, that. It's encouraging to me because uh, you want to go through something and believe that uh, you're benefiting from it. But honestly, yeah. I um, have had more people tell me that my color looks good, you yeah. know, independently yeah. from one another. All people just say, well, your color is great. And it makes me wonder if I went around looking like the ghost of Christmas past for <laughs> about two years. Well, yeah, well, I didn't want to say anything, David. But yeah, yeah, it was just that, you know, <laughs> the ashy kind of gray guy that's, you know, over in the corner. But no, I feel great. And uh, it was so funny, Nate, because one week after my procedure, um, I officiated my first wedding. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I uh, had a really dear friend whose son uh, was getting married. Actually, they got married during COVID and their, their wedding got, you know, uh, yeah, stomped right. on. Yeah. And so they couldn't have yeah. their wedding, their venue shut down and all of that. So they got married at the courthouse a year ago and then came back to the venue and had the real deal, full on, yeah. full on wedding. And they invited me to officiate. So I didn't have to have any real credentials, you know, to, <laughs> to do it because they were already and legally when, married. But what, what a big change for you. Cause how many weddings have you played for? Oh gosh. Yeah. Nine million and two, I think is the last time. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So you got to officiate, yeah. Yeah. So it was great. And I, I told them uh at the at the ceremony, of course, that my biggest encouragement about the whole thing was that they got married a year ago, came back and wanted to re-up. You know, and actually <laughs> you know, after a year of marriage, they came back and wanted to do it for real. But uh no, it was it was really fun and I felt good. It was good to be there and not feel like um, you know, everywhere I walked was a you know, a, a marathon. Mm. It was, uh, it was a great, uh, kind of test drive for, uh, my, my breathing and, uh, fatigue level and all that. So yeah. I, I really, I appreciate it. I feel great. I pre appreciate everybody's, uh, thoughts and well wishes. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the recovery will be a, you know, about a three month process total, but, 
Um, mm-hmm. In about two more weeks, I can lift some lift something um, heavier than an egg carton. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you know, and I think even your paying attention to your body and then uh, taking the initiative to go see the doctor, this this uh, self care willingness right. then to undergo the treatment. Do you think you would have done that had you still been drinking? Oh, no, because, <laughs> because I would have been so preoccupied with having, um, gosh, you know, I would have been so preoccupied with just having my, my anesthesia that I, uh-huh. I didn't pay attention to what was going on with my body, you know? Right, right, um, right, right, right. And, right, right. and it was just so, um, it was so all about just checking out and numbing out and staying that yeah. way for as long as possible that I avoided any disruption at all, uh, to go yeah. seek help, you know, physically. Yeah, right. sure. Um, sure. yeah, I, there, this would not have happened if I were yeah. still drinking yeah. for sure. Yeah. And there it is, man. Po- another payoff to positive sobriety. Yeah, absolutely. Pa- right, right. Paying the attention. only reason I went to the doctor when I was drinking was to tell him my antidepressants weren't working. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I went to the doctor when I was drinking. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So are you back in full swing in your, uh, uh, in your coaching, your sobriety, uh, coaching practice? I am. I'm back in the office now, uh, all day, every day. And I'm seeing, you know, uh, four five, six people a day again. And so that's, uh, been really good. I, I have a lot of energy and it's really interesting too, Nate, because, um, I feel like I'm even, and I don't think this is my imagination. I feel like I'm even more attentive I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm just a little bit sharper, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, my, my doctor attributes that to oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there's that, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I am. I'm back to work and that's good. And, um, I'm back to doing the things I feel like doing, but I'm also listening to my body better. And when I okay. need to stop, I go, you know what? Um, it's, I'm, I'm done for today. You know, nice. I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to um, knock off and, um, yeah. or I'm, I was going to go to dinner tonight, but I'm not because I feel like I need to just hang out and rest. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm trying to be a better steward of whatever this is that I've been given back. So. Right, right, right. Fantastic. Well, uh, we've got a guest today who, uh, has a lot to say about, uh, self-care, healthy practice, mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a, an enlightening and fascinating conversation that I think our listeners are going to enjoy. So uh, please uh, stick with us. We'll be back here on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Our guest today comes to us from the great state of Colorado, out there enjoying the fabulous weather in Denver while we swelter here in the South. Uh, <laughs> Will Black is with us. Welcome, Will. Thanks for having me, David Nathan. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you guys. Thank you. Glad so, you're here. I, I, I got to ask you, David, you made the contact. How did you hear about Will? Give us a little uh, a, a 
give us a little backstory, will you? Well, Will discovered us and reached oh, out okay. to me and told me a little bit about um, his work out there in Denver with uh, mindfulness and yoga and fitness and recovery um, and uh, sent me a link to a website. And uh, he shares his recovery story on that website. And uh, so when I started hearing his recovery story and then seeing all the things that he does as a um, a recovery coach, a life coach, a fitness and meditation coach um, and mentor to people, um, I thought, well, this is this is a great example of, you know, what we talk about all the time, re- using your story to do something great to benefit other people, which is what we always like mm. to highlight. So we'll yeah. welcome and we would love to hear uh, love to hear your story. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for having me on and allowing me to share a little bit of my experience. I mean, I really wholeheartedly resonate with what you're saying. I think I think so much that's important in recovery is sharing sharing where we've been. I know a big part of my journey was feeling very alone at the time, very, very isolated, feeling like this was something unique to me. And I think the more we have conversations like this, the more that we share this message, I think it just reaches out to people and tells them that that they're also not alone and that this is something that, especially across the nation, especially now and after last year, like this is a problem faced by many. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, but for for myself, I mean... As far as my my recovery and my journey, a lot of what brought about my alcoholism and my my issues in that um, honestly stemmed more from my childhood growing up. Um, I dealt with depression, anxiety, a lot of feelings of not belonging, feeling different, feeling isolated, um, and that sort of set the tone for my life and. Later, when I discovered drinking, it was a lot of self-medication. Drinking for me, like, it really made me feel like I belong, really made me feel like I fit in, like, I'd always felt so different, and now there was this thing that that made me, like, be part of the group, made me made me one like everyone else. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's similar for... You you guys in the South, but in the Midwest, I mean, drinking is just integral to every yeah. part of life. Yeah. Uh, whether that's barbecues, birthdays, weddings, like you name it, it's, it is everywhere. Or Thursdays. Um, right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so for me, like when, even when I was having problems, which I mean, which were almost immediate or I mean, really were immediate. Uh, I, as throughout drinking, I mean, I really never considered not drinking as an option. I mean, it was like drinking is just something you do. The only thing, the only thing that I thought was possible was getting it under control. Um, and so for years I, (laughs) I did everything where, whether that was like limiting number of drinks a night, glass of water, Mm -hmm. big meal, any sort of like moderate drinking tip or hack you can try. Like I tried it. Um, and really for about six or so years, that was just my life. Like it was blacking out. It was burning bridges. It was just this vicious cycle of addiction and shame that just fed on itself. Um, and for me, the point of 
recovery or the point when I finally put down the bottle was just after years of having tried to keep it under control and just realizing that I couldn't do it. Like I, Mm. I had tried everything to control it and nothing worked. And so I had, I, I didn't know any sober people at the time. I didn't know what living a sober life was like. I had so much fear, so much anxiety going into it, but yeah, I just reached a breaking point where I knew I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and so I put down the bottle and then my recovery journey, really the two pillars of my sobriety were fitness and meditation. And that's, that's sort of what laid the foundation and got me on the path where I am to this day. How did you discover that fitness and meditation altered, um, how you viewed your relationship with alcohol or your, or your triggers or your cravings or uh, all of that. How did that, how did that discovery come about? Absolutely. Fitness was something that had been a part of my life, sort Mm -hmm. of, sort of on and off. Um, But really, really when I, when I turned to that, it was, I, I thought of days where if, if I didn't do anything productive, like, whether that was because of drinking or school, like I didn't feel good about myself. But if I went to the gym, like I exercised my body, I was like, okay, that was that was something worthwhile. Like, like I never went to the gym and regretted it. So at at least when I like when I that first day of sobriety, I was like, okay, I'll go to the gym today because like, I'll feel good about that. Like, that's, that's at least one step in the right direction. Um. And then simultaneously with meditation, like just from podcasts or reading people, people that I look up to, I'd always heard of this practice. Um, And it was sort of just in the background of like, oh, I should do that someday. Like I I should try meditation. Um, And really, it was just kind of this point where I'm like, okay, I'm doing something totally different. Like I'm, I'm alcohol free now. So why not give this meditation a shot? Um, And really... It was like mind and body where fitness, working out, like that really kept me grounded in my body. It made me feel good about myself, gave that endorphin rush, like helped elevate me. And then meditation really allowed me to calm and center in my mind as far as a lot of, I mean, there was just so much anxiety at the time, so much uncertainty, like just my mind like spinning like this hamster wheel or something. Mm -hmm. And it was just like meditation really just allowed me to like calm and sort of step back from a lot of these new feelings and experiences that were bubbling to the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Will, where did you go for help in, uh, in learning meditation? I'm assuming you just didn't sit down cold and say, okay, (laughs) right. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, uh, I'd, one I had really really great book. Um, I wish I could remember it off the top of my head. Um, I think it's like the beginner's mind or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it it really just I mean was step by step of like building building a meditation practice. I mean I think the first day I like sat on my bed for like five minutes and just stillness. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, through that book and through other. Um, other other books and uh, some like guided meditations, I just began like sort of like taking bits and pieces. Um, mm-hmm. So some meditations are say focused on total silence. 
others are focused more on like counting your breath or a mantra or um, doing a body scan. And really, I just sort of experimented with like what worked for me um, Mm. and ended up just kind of like taking nuggets from each one and then building my own practice that sort of suited suited my needs, suited what worked for me. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. How soon into the into discovering meditation and all of this um, that that you embarked on, Will, was it before you realized it was really working um, in 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 helping um, minimize or reduce um, your propensity for drinking and and uh, using? Um, I mean. It was really interesting as far as as far as it came to using your cravings or things like that. I mean, I think, and everyone's recovery journey is very unique. But as as far as my own, I mean, because I had just been at this like this really long journey of like trial and error and moderation and that not working and taking breaks and coming back. I mean when I decided to quit, like, it was very much like done and over for me. Like I, I didn't suffer so much as far as like having cravings of wanting to go back to drinking. I, I just inherently knew that like, there was nothing to gain from there. Mm-hmm. What more, what more so where meditation and my other practices were my ally was that it was just everything that like drinking was helping me do like, like socialization was probably the biggest. Um, like that was where meditation called me because I mean, my anxiety was just like sky high and meditation helped ease that. And I mean, essentially when I was quitting drinking, it was just starting from ground zero. It was like, I need to completely rebuild my identity. I need to learn how to be in social circles. I need to learn how to be around drinkers and be okay. Not drinking like, Meditation really just helped ground me and I guess keep me from feeling too overwhelmed with with how intense those those feelings were. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will, did you seek out communities of sober people at this point or did you find that as your thinking and living uh, and drinking or non-drinking changed that uh, sober people just kind of uh, wandered into your orbit? Uh, I absolutely sought people out. I mean, what more than anything, what kept me going forward and at least what, what inspired me and made me know I could do this was learning from others who had done it themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. because I, I had no reference point for at a life without alcohol. I mean, if like total honesty, like especially so, so young at the time, like, I I thought I thought a life without alcohol would be so boring. So like, I'm not going to have friends. I'm not going to have fun. I'm not going to date. So it was really turning to the people who, who had made their life where, where everything had become better. Like they, to me were the inspiration of like, I mean, it was people where it was like, Oh, like my business has never been better. My partner, like my friendships are more fulfilling. Like every aspect of life is better. So it was like, it was knowing going on this difficult journey, but that the end would be worth it. And mm-hmm. 
it was the people who had come before me. It was people who had shared stories exactly how we're sharing this one right now that it was like, okay, like there, I mean, there some people were, it was like, they were much worse off than me and had gone so much higher. So I'm like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. At one point you made a move from uh, the Midwest uh, out to the mountain state. Was that before or after your uh, recovery journey started? Oh, uh, I, I first moved out here for school. Um, uh-huh. So <laughs> uh, that was... You were still drinking. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, honestly, coming out to Denver initially was really when I started drinking heavy. Um, yeah, I... Don't tell me there's any uh, alcohol out there in the Denver yeah. area. <laughs> there, uh, there might be a couple microbrews or something. I, I, I think we might be known for a little little known company uh, like Coors or uh, New Belgium. Yeah, yeah. You may have heard of them. Okay, so uh, so you had established relationships within a drinking community. Uh, you had this moment of, was there any, uh, any book or anything that helped, uh, I mean, did you ever do like the, uh, read like the Alan Carr method or any of those books to help you, gave you clarity of the fact that you needed to stop and you could stop and life would get, and you really wouldn't be giving anything up if you did. Absolutely. I get- yeah. Um, uh, I have read Alan Carr's work. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy his, it was interesting. Actually, I read his, um, because uh, I think his most famous work is how to quit smoking. Um, yeah, right. And and uh, I had read that, and I I honestly I just like every time I'm reading like cigarette or smoking, I'm just like putting alcohol in there. Um, right. Because um, I, I I mean addictions are different, but I think you can pair so many of the lessons together. Um, mm-hmm. So his work is great. Um, really, I I had the audio book, and I must have listened to it. I don't, I don't even know how many times, uh, but it was, uh, Craig Beck's alcohol lied to me. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. That, that I would say of, of all the addiction books probably was, I mean, especially in the early stage of required, it was the best. I mean, cause it, I mean, he really articulates and it, it just spoke so much of, I guess all these, like these false promises of like, yeah. Like you need drinks to to fit in and to have friends, and it, it was really picking apart all these lies. Um, I mean, like just like in the title, um, mm-hmm. yeah that that audio book. I I listened to that quite a, quite a few times. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to it myself. It's a great book. Alcohol lied to me. Yeah. All right. Um, this is the positive sobriety podcast uh, where we focus not on what not to do, but what to do instead. And so you didn't just try to quit drinking. You introduced positive practice, right? So you amped up your fitness game and you launched meditation and mindfulness. I wonder if you can kind of uh, break down for us what a day looks like today or a typical week looks like today including, I'm assuming, acts of service, because you're now giving it away, right? Uh, Yeah, so what's it look like in contrast to what it looked like when you were using or drinking? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm happy to share sort of what my day looks like. I I only want to preface that 
what what my journey was and certainly what I recommend to most people is like the little increments, like like building up as mm-hmm. far as mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was like those first two. And then all of the practices I'm doing now are like slowly added over time. Definitely. It's like mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of like a little change consistently rather than a lot of things all at once. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as far as my day to day, I mean, I'm a big habit of routine. So my mornings uh, very much start with getting myself in a good state. And so as far as the routines I really enjoy that get me going, uh, one of the very first things I love to do is a cold shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, especially where you guys are, it's so refreshing. Uh, the <laughs> hot humidity. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, it's so different if you're in like a really cold spot. Um, but cold showers are just such a great way to, I mean, just your energy is going, and it just like shocks you out of that like tired lethargy. Um, but more so than that, I mean, one of my mentors um, really instilled in me that. Uh, anything cold, like cold water immersion, anything like that, like it's very metaphorical as far as like, I mean, especially when you try it, like your, your brain is just like, oh, I'm freezing. Oh, I get out. I'm dying. And it's just like, it's sitting in that. And then it's realizing like, oh, I'm not that cold actually. Oh, it's actually like kind of nice. Um, so that, that's how, that's how I start. It's building resilience, right? Yeah. Well, and it's also, it is part of like our mind tricks us so much where it says we can't do this or this is too hard. And it's like, we need to go against that. And like a cold shower is a practice of it. It's like a, a a metaphorical one where you can see it. You're like, Oh, actually like, I'm not, the cold water isn't going to kill me. And Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. where else is this going? Like, Oh, like I'm thinking all these people, they're not going to like me, but like, maybe that's just my mind telling me that. Or maybe my mind's telling me that writing that book or starting that venture or whatever is just like too much. And it's just like, it's just our mind playing tricks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, And so usually after that, I mean, uh, I usually start the day like reading, cup of coffee. Um, Typically then I do my morning meditation, uh, usually like 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and then really from there, I mean, my, my days sort of vary just depending on the responsibilities. I'm either doing my coaching or I, I teach yoga at a few different places. Um, but one comment or point made earlier was with service and especially now where I'm at, like service is more, more where I'm aiming my focus and more what I think is important as far as what I'm, what I'm aiming to do with my life and how I'm hoping, how hoping to make an impact. And so one of the places I'm very honored to be working and volunteering once a week is the Phoenix. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have a branch out in uh, Nashville, um, but the Phoenix is a national recovery organization that does fitness classes from like kickboxing to yoga, hiking, climbing, everything. Mm. Um, and so I, I teach yoga there once a week, uh, Mondays here in the Denver area for, for anyone listening. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, Will, how did the idea for the balanced self, uh, kind of practice that you have now, uh, that you work with other people, you're available for other people to, um, uh, uh, utilize your services. How did that 
uh, idea come about and, and you, and how did you launch that? Absolutely. I mean, so for me, like my, my healing journey is, I don't, I don't feel like it's over. I don't feel like our journeys really ever end, mm-hmm. but for me, I, I reached this tipping point where I felt very much healed in this sense that I'm in a good place now. And now I'm in a spot where I can help others. Like I, I just spent years cultivating all these practices from yoga and meditation and goal setting and mindset shifting. Like I just had accumulated all of this information and really what I wanted more than anything was to be able to give it to others as far as, I mean, so many of these practices I learned like took years to develop and it it doesn't have to be that way. And I know that my situation was not unique in the sense that so many others were going through it. And so the balance self, when I started, it was really just this mission of how do I take all of this, all of this information and give it to those in need. Um, and so through that, um, initially was working in sort of like the corporate wellness sphere, uh, doing like Zoom yoga throughout the pandemic, um, which was great as far as being this means of, I mean, people are stuck at home and they just need to move and gyms are closed and yoga studios are closed. Um, so that was sort of like a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what I shifted more into and where my focus is now and what's been much more rewarding is online coaching. Um, and so that's really been about having more structured programs that I can personalize and tailor to each individual. I mean, my ethos and what my driving force and what I help my clients achieve is balance. A, it's not so much like, our, our fitness or our nutrition or mindfulness or, or any of these things, it's all of these things. And I think we get so fixated on one and we try, try creating like systems that are going to work for everyone. And really we're all unique. We all, we all have our own unique needs, our own unique wants, our own idea of what balance means to us. And mm-hmm. so the mission of the balanced self is to help, people remove their limiting beliefs, their limiting behaviors, and help them build their intentional, meaning-driven lives. Mm -hmm. And so um, what can a person anticipate as far as like frequency with you? Would Would they talk to you once a week or a couple of times a week or daily or? Yeah. Um, I mean, typically my coaching programs were working Mm bi-weekly. Um, so I, some people are more interested in working once a week and that's great. Happy to do that too. Um, but biweekly really gives people the opportunity to take new lessons, take new practices and really test them out, really flush them out for their life. They get to try and see what works, what doesn't work. And then every two weeks we can check in be like, okay, this is working. This is not working. How can we refine? How can we build upon this? Um, and my, uh, my programs are usually 12 to six months as far as, I mean, the more, the more you're invested, the more you're looking at the long term, the greater you're going to see results, Mm -hmm. um, with things like fitness or meditation. I mean, you can do a meditation and feel calmer 
in 20 minutes for sure. Mm -hmm. But if you're really looking to see like the profound impacts, the profound changes, it's more of that, that long-term focus. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to ask you, Will, uh, how old of a guy are you? I'm 27. Golly! (laughs) I mean, I was just getting started down the hill of stupid at 27. Uh, Oh, what a gift. What a a marvelous, marvelous thing that, uh, uh, yeah, you, you woke up early. And, uh, and you've got, and, and I think it gives you, uh, an advantage, maybe a little more street cred with some of the younger folks Mm. for whom, uh, you know, somebody who's about to collect Medicare, Mm. uh, might not have (laughs) as much, as much credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do you have a seven? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have an average? Go ahead, Nate. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, do you have an average age that a client tends to be? Do you find people coming to you more midlife or just early on like you and saying, man, I'm about to hit the wall. I want to head this off at the pass or more people like us that uh, hit the wall a few times. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I certainly work with within a, a pretty, pretty wide, wide range of individuals. I mean, like. I, I, I mean, as far as drinking, like I, I felt like I drank enough for one lifetime to, to stop mm-hmm. when I did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, I, I think it's good. Like whenever you stop, whenever your journey begins, that's great. I mean, there, there's any, any time is a good place to stop. Uh, but as far as, I mean, specifically with the clients, I mean, I would say usually it's, people in the 25 to 35 range but i mean i have guys i work with uh thank you um but i have guys i work with who are in their 40s and older i mean it's Mm -hmm. i I mean it's more so i mean i'm i if i if i were to describe my client i mean it's usually people where they're they're just tired of what they're doing not working and they're just really ready now for change Mm-hmm. And I, I think you can do that when you're young. I think you can do that when you're older. I, I think we just all reach that breaking point at some time where, like, we know we can do more. We're, we're just not living up to our potential. And honestly, a lot of times it's just that reaching out. I mean, that's that's what it was for me, and I, that's that's who I'm working with. That's who I want to elevate and bring up. Mm-hmm. What about people with unwanted behaviors like uh, process addiction, sex, gambling, other types of compulsive behaviors? Do you have people come in uh, and seek uh, working with you from those perspectives that are trying to the, to change those behaviors, or, or do you primarily deal with substance-oriented um, recovery? I mean, uh, as as far as people I'm working with, I mean, some some of it has to do with substance issues. A, a lot is honestly more, I, I guess, more behavioral things as far as kind of like poor habits or addiction more in the realms of, say, like technology or mm-hmm. I, I guess more, I guess what I... 
I don't want to undermine it, but say I guess what I want to say is more of like a softer addiction. I I am certainly happy to work with anyone, but I I think if someone were coming at me with something, say like like sex addiction or it was like heroin abuse, something like that. I mean, um, I think that someone who is going to benefit more from a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more lifestyle orientated. Like if, if someone were to resonate with me, I would absolutely give them my all and give my expertise. But I, I think with something like that, you really need like a, a, a professional that's just more specialized in that area. I mean, I think those are really nuanced conditions that require a lot of expertise. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm wondering what your impressions are. I'm hearing two uh, narratives these days that uh, that don't exactly mesh. One narrative is that uh, during the pandemic, alcohol use skyrocketed. So I've heard that. I've also heard that uh, – during the pandemic, uh, a move, a sober movement has really gained steam. So uh, on one side, I'm hearing more people are drinking. On the other side, I'm hearing more people are quitting. Uh, your street view uh, perspective there in Denver, in, which is certainly kind of a drinking culture, what's your sense of what's going on? I think the answer is really both. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think... 2020, I think the COVID pandemic is really interesting. I mean, polarizing in a million different ways. But if we're going to look at sort of lifestyle, drinking, things of that nature, I I really saw it going one of two ways with people. I think for some, and and this isn't even a, a criticism. I mean, this was a this was a global a global pandemic unlike anything any of us have ever encountered in our lifetime unlike i mean there's never been like the world shut down in the way it did and like these are problems and social isolation that like everyone has their ways of coping and everyone has their things that they turn to um but as far as substance use goes i mean i think some people leaned really hard into drinking more it was like mm-hmm. i'm at home Everything is closed. Like, I just want to numb and I want to be away from it and I want to tune out. And unfortunately, I mean, it it does just build and build. I mean, especially if you're just stuck at home because, I mean, suddenly it's not even like, uh, oh, like I, <laughs> like I need to be sober for work. I mean, if you're like on Zoom or you're not even doing that, like if you can like get through your job functions, I mean, I know people are definitely like, I don't know if they're drinking all day, but they're definitely starting much earlier than they would have and throughout more days than they will. Um, so unfortunately, I I do think, I, I mean, that was drinking, that was weed, that was everything as far as some people really lean into that. On the flip side, and this being the positive sobriety. Um, <laughs> I I think there was also, I mean, there's always this like bright silver lining. And last year for a lot of people was also this time of introspection and reflection. Like a lot of people where they're like habitually drinking because like, oh, you do it after work, or you do it after that. Like now that didn't exist. So they leaned away and a lot of people lean more into their hobbies and their passions. I mean, so many people 
quit their jobs and started their passion project because it was like, well, you have all this free time and like, why not? And a lot of mm-hmm. people like they leaned into their families because, you know, they had these big commutes and they like didn't get to see them. And now they're at home with them. And now they're like, oh, like this is the life I want. And they're like, I don't want to go back to my office now. I like I like these dynamics. And I think, I mean, because mental health became a much more mainstream topic last year and addiction became much more mainstream. I think, I think the dialogue has just been opened up so much more. And a lot of people who may have felt like, I don't know if I have a drinking problem or may have never questioned it before now are starting to turn away. And now we're seeing the alternatives. I think Mm -hmm. now more than ever, we're seeing that sobriety is a worthwhile and a, fantastic option and a lot of like it's just this growing movement as far as more socially accepted more socially the norm like it's Mm -hmm. it's much less stigmatized and i think i i think it's it's very strange overall as far as if you want to look at the stats stats and numbers because i mean sobriety is on the rise but heavy substance use is also on the rise i mean it just is also like it's what populations you're looking at like it's yeah it's kind of like everything is exploding either way yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i think for our listeners oh go ahead david well no i'm just gonna say i think that's true i think that what i see too is um, a lot of people saw this as an opportunity to confront something and an awful lot of people also, um, just tried to dig a little deeper down the rabbit hole, you know, and I think, I think we're going to see even more surge in people seeking help as people do re-entry, you know, mm-hmm. the 2021 is where, as we're easing back into whatever the new normal is, I think part of the new normal is going to be people coming out and going, Oh man, the last half of that year just left me realizing that this is this is all the unconfronted stuff that I've lived with for so long, and so I think uh, so. I guess in a nutshell, Will, I think you're going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, on that note, for listeners who have been fascinated, captivated by what they've heard today, if they'd like to follow up with you, Will. Uh, how did they reach you? How did they find out more about the balance self and connect with Will Black? Absolutely. The best way to reach me, see all of my work, see any of my resources would be through Instagram at the balance self. That just has my links to my website, all my programs, everything like that. So I would first have to join Instagram then. (laughs) If you're not on Instagram, (laughs) uh, you can just go straight to my website. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's willowandblack.com, or if you Google the balance self, uh, that'll pop up. Uh, And really for for any listeners, for anyone who's interested, uh, from there you can schedule a connecting call. Like we can chat just sort of discuss what you're going through, what your goals are, what you'd like to achieve. If it makes sense, if if my programs make sense for you, if my my philosophy, my ethos, if that seems like it would be a good mesh to work together. Um, but yeah, more than anything, just just getting on that call, like just seeing if if we're the right fit. I mean, I I certainly 
I certainly, I mean, there's, there's the right person for everyone. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. Awesome. Great. Well, this sure has been an enjoyable conversation. Thank you. I'm so glad that you reached out. This is the best way to get a guest. I think David. Yeah. Um, It's wonderful when they find us. (laughs) I'm glad uh, that you, you know, you're working your, passion project, you're taking initiative, you're moving toward uh, usefulness and purpose. And as a consequence, we got to meet you. That's great. Uh, Thank you so much, Will. And I hope you'll stay connected with us. uh, And we'll see you again on down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much, David and Nathan. It was an absolute pleasure being here. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of my story on your podcast. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, I always enjoy these conversations. And today, um, just talking to Will and his 27-year-old self, (laughs) I can't help but feel uh, like, um, man, what a great thing to come to the the place of of change and, you know, the end of yourself or whatever we want to call it at that age, you know, to yeah, just know yeah. that, um, to be able to have the, the insight to say life is not working the way I'm doing it. Maybe I need to make a big shift and, yeah. and to do what he did because, uh, you know, those of us that waited till we were, you know, on, on <laughs> decades later, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I have a, I have a certain, uh, a positive envy of him, if I could use that term. I will tell you, I was fighting some jealousy myself. Uh, <laughs> jealousy is a better, honest word. I like that. <laughs> and yet, you know, I'm I'm listening to this kid, and he's you know he's uh, he's obviously young, and he's talking like a twenty year old, but he's saying things that I know are true, and I didn't know they were true until I was in my forties. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it just makes me happy. Uh, just, I'm just, when I stop and think about how many people he's going to be able to help Mm -hmm. God willing in the years that he has left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, And, and I do like also, one of the things I really liked about him was he talked about, um, the necessity or actually the power of incremental change, mm-hmm. which might be easier to see when you're in your twenties than when in your forties or fifties or sixties, when you have this growing sense that time is running out. So you right. try to do too much too soon. Right. Right. So he's in his twenties and he knows he's got time and he's making small changes. I love the fact that he sees, uh, typically sees clients every two weeks. Yeah. So, so let's make an adjustment and then you road test our plan for two weeks. Give it time to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not trying to speed people through an unrealistic, you know, revolutionary change. Mm-hmm. Let's take some time. Let's build carefully. And that may be an advantage that he has as a young man. It might be easier for him to do mm-hmm. than, than it is for somebody who's older. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I do like that as well. I think it, I think people, um, people need to spend some time with something before they just come in and, you know, pronounce it one way yeah. or the other, you know? Right, so, right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and also not putting all of his eggs in one basket. Uh, but, but striving for balance with multiple disciplines, doing multiple things, right. But not, but add, but building slowly and carefully and not trying to do everything at once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful, just sounds to me like in my, my own sense of what has worked and continues to work in my own life and recovery is this young man's on the right track. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, happy to endorse Will Black and the ba- and the balanced self. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, before we go, uh, you want to remind the listeners of our sponsor? I would love to. Um, BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com is an online therapy uh, resource. And you can uh, get a, a therapist online that you can spend um, the same amount of time with that you would in any conventional setting. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can do it on on your laptop, on your phone. And if you go to betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety, you'll get a discount on your initial sign up as well as we will get an a notification that uh, the resources we're offering people are helpful to them. And uh, BetterHelp will allow you to spend time with this licensed therapist. And if for some reason you decide that may not be the perfect fit for you, they will allow you to change your practitioner and uh, start with someone new um, and no penalties there. They just uh, want you to get the best help you can. Um, so this is a great opportunity as we're as we're moving, you know, into a new uh, season of starting up of a new normal in our world and our culture uh, to go into that new normal unstuck, you know, unencumbered mm. by our old patterns. So, you know, take advantage of BetterHelp.com and slash positive sobriety and uh, see what they can do for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that does it for this week's show. We have a full calendar ahead. We do. Uh, full summer. We, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, i tell you what, it's a great time to be sober. It is it? indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Nate. I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 